What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 95 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is a Monday rundown on a Friday. Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about the NBA Finals. The Raptors were crowned as a first-time NBA champion with Kawhi Leonard winning the Finals MVP. We talked about the injuries to Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and a little bit more NBA free agency because we just can't get enough and it hasn't even started yet. After that, we talked about the Yankees sliding. We will be talking more baseball, especially because it's the only sport being played now, um, following our Monday rundown next week. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, as always, SorrySports.com, and shoot us an email if you have anything to say, SorrySportsYahoo.com. Enjoy the pod. everybody welcome back it's a sorry to interrupt short podcast here with 1042 friday night and uh we have a new nba champion uh we got some baseball stuff going on a lot of a lot of ripple effects going on in both cases tom what's up buddy good to talk to you hey man um would have been a late night last night you texted me at like 2 a.m i was like oh jesus christ i hope he wasn't waiting up all night to do this pod he probably should have said something i hope you're okay <laughs> i'm doing great no i texted you i was still awake so i watched the yankees cough it up at the same time as watching game six and i was just so pumped from everything i mean i really wanted a game seven i mean both of us picked the warriors to win the series and, you Not know, true, just, my friend. Think, Not true, my friend. Really? Um, you if didn't you pick don't, them? If you don't recall, I picked the Raptors to win in seven. Oh, uh, I'm just. I guess I'm just so used to you being wrong that I have oh, forgotten. Okay. okay. No, no, no. That's that's bad on me. And, Quite a slight and, there. And I apologize. But I picked the Warriors anyway, and I think even though you took the Raptors, you had some reservations because you picked a seven-game series. I did, but um, I ended up I ended up coming out, right. coming out on the right end. And my reason for picking the Raptors, aside from Kawhi being an incredible player, was that the Warriors were just going to get beaten down. Now, did I think Clay was going to go out there and tear his ACL? No, but no. the Warriors were beaten down. Well, you also didn't think Looney was going to have his injury, and you know we didn't expect Katie to play. I don't think either of us did really much in this series. No, but I'm, we I'm just pretty- talking about strictly. Um, what was it Tuesday night when we spoke? I said that the Warriors were going to lose because the they were uh, they were beaten up. The Looney injury had already happened, as well as the KD injury. I'm saying I didn't predict Clay to tear his ACL, but I did think that they were pretty beaten up and they were going to be worn down and losing seven. Like I this said, this is true. I, now, I didn't yeah, think... you you took that the other night. I was talking more about when the series opened. I think we both series said opened, Warriors. I think we six, both took right? the dubs. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, so that that was more what I was referring to. But you're right. From Tuesday night's podcast, you you ended up going to the to the Raptor side. I said if Golden State could find a way to win Game Six at home, they would end up taking Game Seven on the road. We didn't get to that point, and there's so I'll much tell you to what, dissect though, man. from this game. I yes, will sir. tell you what they, um, for a team that is that was as decimated and beaten up as they were, they got pretty damn close to getting to that game seven. Game six. No, they got pretty close get, to getting get, to get, game get, seven. Yeah, get, getting close to game seven. Well, you know what? They got close in game six, and you know what? The thing about it was, was the fact that. As great as Draymond's line was, as far as his rebounding and scoring and assisting, he had some of the worst turnovers you will ever see, especially in those final six minutes. Eight turnovers. Eight turnovers. Not to mention the fact that he had... um, Not to mention the fact that he had six technicals, and I watched him on multiple occasions argue with the referees to the point where the even the announcers were saying he's got six. If he gets a seventh, he's suspended for game seven. I just yeah. he's out of his mind. Yeah, I I still think that he had to play with passion though, because that's who he is, right? Like that's who he is as a player. That's what gives him his advantage. That's what gives him his edge. 
And I think the refs did a great job of understanding the severity of the moment and understanding the gravity of the series and knowing, like, listen, in the heat of the moment, you're going to have some gripes with a couple of calls. He was being, you know, pretty diplomatic as far as, you know, pointing up to the Jumbotron and saying, hey, look at this, or are you kidding me? But he wasn't as demonstrative. He wasn't as aggressive as he has been. And I, I give the refs credit. You know, this has been a postseason where we could really go off on the refs, and rightfully so at points. But I think that overall, last night, they let him air his grievances, and as a result, he was able to stay in. But he had some just egregious turnovers at the worst opportunities and times when the Warriors looked like they could grab momentum. But let's talk about it this way, right? So the the game is going on. The Raptors are winning into the first half. And the Warriors look, you know, I was commenting, I was saying, you know, the Warriors, they look about as good as they possibly can. And they're the game's really, really close, which means that either the Raptors haven't kicked it into their second gear yet, or maybe the Warriors are just going to outwill them in this game. And Curry didn't have a great game. Thompson was carrying the team on his back until the ACL injury. And what I want to say is, I give the Raptors all the credit in the world, right? They won that game, they seized the opportunity, and they took advantage of a completely decimated and depleted Warriors team. But at the same time, what could you really expect? That was, this is not, you and I talked about this Tuesday night, man. This is not the same Warriors team and supporting cast that won in 2015, 17, and even 18. This is a much different supporting cast and and alternate unit. Livingston's not the same. Bogut was literally taken off of his driveway in Australia to play. Looney was very much you know, it, it compromised. And the rest of the team, I mean, you, you've got guys like McKinney and uh, guys up and down the line that are not capable of making big plays. Quinn Cook and big opportunities not being able to come through. So you would expect the, the Raptors to win that game. And I'm not taking anything away from them, but what did you think? Because I, I was watching the end of that game and I was like, this is kind of how I'd expect it to go. Now that Clay's gone, what, like, what more can you possibly ask for from the Warriors? They gave it their all. They just didn't have enough talent or enough help. I completely agree with you, man. And honestly, going on this, this five-year run that the Warriors had, their luck finally ran out with injuries. I mean, this team, and, and to be a dynasty, you need a little bit of luck. You need, you know, an unhappy Shaq in Orlando to go to the Lakers, or you need a LeBron that that can't get win in Cleveland to go to the Heat, or and so on and so forth, and you need some luck. And their luck finally ran dry when it came to the injuries, and it ran dry in a big way, obviously losing KD. Boogie's been compromised since even before he was on the team. And Clay now, where Clay looked like he was about to take that game over and at the very least force a game seven. He was almost he was basically doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many points he had, but he was about to go off in one of those unconscious clay games where he's when just he hit that throwing three, the ball the basket and it's going in. When he hit that three in the third quarter, that was just otherworldly. You're like at least I thought so. I was like the Warriors are winning this game. Yeah, like, no, at, no doubt in my mind. Absolutely I was like, nuts. I was like, if Curry can get twenty five, Clay's going for fifty tonight. I think they're going to win. Yeah, and it was one of those games too, man. Where like you know you're starting to count his points, right? Like he hits a couple threes, he hits a couple huge threes. He's driving to the basket, gets an and one. The crowd is going nuts. It's game six. It's the final game at Oracle Arena, and you're like, exactly that. If Clay, if this becomes a Clay game. The Warriors win this game. And I don't really have any reservations. I know the Raptors ended up kind of winning, you know, running away with it and winning. But if Clay stayed healthy and he completed that and won on the play that he got hurt and no injury was sustained and he goes back out, I think the Warriors win this game. Oh, 100%. But when he went down... I think it's close, but I think think just the entire... The energy was sucked out of that building and they really tried to will... 
that crowd really tried to will that team to victory. It just wasn't going to happen. They didn't have enough, you know, able bodies. Absolutely. But if when Clay he went down, man, good, when he went it. down, it was over, in my opinion. And the Warriors kept it close the rest of the game. I think but... it was once he got. I think it was once he was out for good. No, when absolutely. He came out of the when... tunnel, hit the free throws. I, I thought there was, was a chance, nuts. but when that reporter, I, I don't want to, I don't want to miss on who I'm giving credit to. But when that reporter said Clay's out for the rest of the game and Bleach Report, oh, Doris Burke. Yeah, when when yep. they finally said that he's out for the game, I was like, it's over. I don't care how close they keep it. I think this series is over. And then to look at I it from the, the to look at it from the Toronto side, you say you said in a couple seconds ago they took advantage. And that's kind of been the theme of their entire in their entire season. I mean, you see Ujiri, he trades for Kawhi even though he's going to be a free agent, takes advantage of the situation where he's unhappy, and he also says, hey, we're not winning with DeRozan. We're going to blow it up anyways if we don't win with Kawhi. Let's take advantage of this ugly situation in San Antonio. Another situation they take advantage of uh, with Ujiri and the team. LeBron is finally out of the Eastern Conference. We don't have to worry about him anymore. Let's take advantage of that situation and really go after the East this year. And then again... They take advantage of the injury situation. Obviously, you, they probably don't wish those injuries on anybody. I don't. Nobody does. But hey, the situation's the situation. They take advantage hey, the of it, and now the Raptors are champions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that would have been a totally different series, I believe, if those two didn't get hurt back in 2015. Yes, absolutely. And and you make such a good point. I mean, those are a couple factors that went into it, and. I want to touch upon a couple of those points that you made because I think they're very paramount and, and they're things that we should probably delve into a little bit more now that the series is over and the Raptors are champions. So I think that this Kawhi trade is going to set a precedent for a lot of different organizations. And, you know, we talked about it slightly on the podcast on Tuesday, right? When we were talking about possible free agent destinations and, and where Anthony Davis could go. And I think it really means something like 12 months ago, let's rewind. Okay. 12 months ago, we've been doing a pod for four and a half months and it's been fun. It was a good time. We've gotten better. A lot of things have changed and at that point, we're thinking Paul George is going to go to the Lakers. That's all that's been identified. And Kawhi wants out, and he's going to somehow find his way to the Lakers or the Los Angeles Clippers, and he doesn't want to be in San Antonio. And Okay, and you know Popovich, and, and you know how much I love spite in all sports uh, and really in life. The, the Spurs trade him to the Raptors. You want to be in Southern California? We're going to trade you to fucking Canada. Enjoy yourself. And like a hired gun, he goes up there and wins a championship. Now, there's a lot of reports indicating he's going to stay. And maybe he will. Or maybe he will just leave. And the Toronto fans can't be upset if he does. He brought them a a world championship. But... I think this is going to do a lot for teams because now we have a little bit of a trend here. We have Paul George electing to stay in Oklahoma City instead of going to the Los Angeles Lakers, which seemed like a foregone conclusion. We have Kawhi winning a championship, and whether he stays or goes, he brought them a championship. So I think this is going to be a huge deal now going forward for stars who want to be traded on the last year of their deals. We're going to see it again this summer, maybe even in the next week with an Anthony Davis trade, you know, he says, I will only stay long-term if it's with the Knicks or the Lakers, which we talked about the other night, right? Like, those are the marquee franchises of clutch sports. They want uh, the A-list New York team and the A-list LA team. But if you're a Boston or you're a Philadelphia or you're a, you know, Los Angeles Clippers, if you're a Brooklyn Nets, like, you fucking go for it. You have to now. Because if he wins, and because he has to, he's incentivized. He's got his big payday coming the next year. He's got to be on his best behavior. He's got to be playing like an all-star and a world-class player. And if they win, maybe they decide to stay. And this is now the Kawhi, I feel like Kawhi pushed this over the edge. Paul George started it, and now I think Kawhi just put it into a whole new strata, don't you? 
Yeah, I mean, these players that are trying to force their way out, you even look at Kyrie Irving, they, none of them, you were right, he didn't have it on his list. None of them went to the teams that they were, that they were asking to go to, and one of them ended up staying. Kyrie, it kind of ended sour on that, and Kawhi took it to another level because, like you said, whether or not he stays in Toronto, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. You can't do anything more. He won finals MVP, and he brought him a championship. So... This uh, I'm unhappy, I want to leave thing seems like it's coming to a team's advantage that's just on the cusp, and they're going to take a risk and say, hey, if he leaves, at least we get a ring out of it. Look what happened with Kawhi. Yes. And 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 they may not even end up on the teams that they want to go to. Right. I mean, so I think what this has shown is so much can change in a year. So much can change in a season. And... Now you're going to have teams going crazy during, you know, when big stars are demanding trades. Because, I mean, if Jimmy Butler stays in Philadelphia, I think you consider that trade a win if you're Philly. Because he brought you to what easily could have been an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. It certainly wasn't his fault. He was the best player in that series against Toronto. Um that went seven and had obviously resulted in that crazy Kawhi quadruple bounce shot. But you take, you got to take the chance. And even if you don't get it, you, you're going to roll the dice and say, maybe they want to stay. So I think that this, that's a huge deal. I think that's something that needs to be talked about more, especially now that we're officially in the off season. Um, another thing too is talking about how, a team that decided not to be complacent and go for the big chance. So I'm not going to talk about it in the Kawhi sense. We just did, right? I want to talk about this in the DeRozan sense and how this applies to other teams. Because I'm having this argument with a couple of people as this Kyrie to Brooklyn thing becomes more and more almost evident, right? So... You've got DeMar DeRozan, who's a really good player. A really good player. And I don't think that that can be lost. With a Kyle Lowry, a Valanchunas, a nice supporting cast, and a really good coach. In fact, Dwayne Casey, who won Coach of the Year last year. But I called them gutless on the podcast because I was tired of them coming up short. I was tired of them just not having a sense of urgency and not being a team that really showed any kind of sense of they're ready to take that next step. And they were a very good team in the regular season and a pretty solid playoff team. And yes, I think the LeBron factor obviously played a large role. However, resulting in four-game sweeps when Indiana pushes a Cleveland team, a clearly you know compromised Cleveland team to seven, those are the kind of things that I think Messiah Jerry looked at and said, that's not, that's not acceptable. We're not that bad. And they decide that they'll trade DeMar DeRozan to get Kawhi, who's already won a finals MVP, who's been there, done that, and needs to prove himself before his big free agent payday. You go out during the trade deadline and trade a Valanciunas, who's a really nice player. I mean, you, you can't say that Valanciunas is a scrub. But you go get a Marcus Gasol, who had been in a, in a Western Conference final, who has played big in a lot of big games and is just that kind of consummate pro that's going to make a little bit of a change. Yes, you have your Fred Van Vliet's and you have your Pascal Siakams who come out of nowhere and emerge as heroes. But I think if Valanciunas is still on this team, and I think, obviously, if DeRozan's still on this team, this team is no more than a second-round team. And I think that's now going to set a precedence for GMs and president of basketball ops to go out and take that gamble. And and we're seeing it right now with the Nets. Like, I love D'Angelo Russell. I would love for the Nets to build around D'Angelo Russell. But if you have a chance to go get a Kyrie Irving who's won a finals, who's made the shot in a clinching game seven over a D'Angelo Russell who might just be another really good player and you're perennially a five to maybe four seed in the East, you've got to go make that chance, right? Like you've got to take that opportunity if it's presented to you via trade or free agency 
And I think teams are going to be a little bit more aware of that. I'd love to hear what you think about that. I just think that this Kawhi thing, the the league is is a copycat league, just like the NFL. And I think, that honestly, the bottom line, and to keep it short and sweet, is that these teams saw that, and you're going to see a lot more of it over the next five to ten years where these guys are going to be unhappy. And teams like the Nets that are in a position to take that next step, I don't think they're a championship team, um, but they definitely are a playoff team. Currently but were the Raptors a championship team last year? No, uh, but the Raptors are further right. along than the Nets are. Uh, were further along than the Nets were at this point. I mean, they had more proven players. But again, the Nets just cleared a second cap spot to possibly do something like this. Yeah, and, and that's all I'm saying is, is it's like you're going to look now and say if you have reservations about keeping your core. Like, what did we see with that Atlanta team? for a couple of years, right? Like that team really had potential to be the team that dethroned LeBron in Cleveland. And you could make a pretty strong argument that for that first year in Cleveland, that Atlanta was actually the better team because they were the one seed. And I know we don't get caught up in the seeds in the NBA because, you know, LeBron's going to take his off nights and whatever, and they know they're going to be there and, and, Atlanta's going to pick up or whomever else is going to pick up a couple of games in the standings. But Atlanta had a chance there to really carve out a couple of years of being Cleveland's number one foe. But they made a couple of moves that elected to stay with the status quo and they became just a team that was perennially in the hunt, maybe making the playoffs, but weren't really a threat. And Toronto was bordering on that. If they stayed with the same nucleus, I think we would agree they would have lost to Philadelphia in the second round. I don't think there's a question about that. Well, no doubt about it, because that's team gutless, as you like to call them. And and that's exactly right. And, and you know, a lot of teams are going to face this issue because there are a lot of mediocre teams in both conferences. A lot of teams that are going to be in the playoffs every year but aren't really real contenders, and we know that. Maybe they'll have a moment. Maybe they'll steal a game. Maybe they'll do something that's going to grab the attention of the NBA world. But they're not legitimate contenders. They're going to have to make some kind of gamble that's going to push them over the precipice and possibly become champions. And that's what I think this Toronto team just did. They could have been very happy being a playoff team every year for the next few years. And maybe having that moment, maybe, you know, especially with LeBron out of the East. But they said, no, fuck it. We're going to go out. We're going to go get a better player. And we're going to take the risk that he's going to take us to that next level. And we're going to trade a Valanciunas midseason, who has been a really productive player for us. But we're going to go get a Marcus Gasol, who has been even better in his career. And we feel better about in big games. And it brought them a world title. And now teams are going to look at that blueprint and say, at least I believe so, and say, yeah, I think that's what clearly you have to do now if you want to go from just being in the hunt to the hunted. Absolutely. And I think the other point is this. I think it's more valuable to teams now, to the value of teams from an owner's perspective, uh, most importantly, to win a championship and then maybe suck for a while and have that championship cachet than it is to be a, a second round out, third round out, maybe one year and a, and a perennial Atlanta Hawks playoff team. I mean, just let's use Cleveland as an example. Look at how much that team value has gone up just from that championship over there in Cleveland. Yes, 100%. So I think from an owner's standpoint, who obvi- they're the ones who call all the shots, I think that... They're, they're, you're going to see more moves from that standpoint as well because they're like, hey, you know what? Let's take a shot this year like in Toronto. Let's win a championship. I don't care if Kawhi leaves and if Kyle Lowry, who's going to be a free agent next year, I don't care if you blow it up and you, and you trade him away and we build around Siakam and, and Van Vliet and a few other players, some young guys, because we have that ring that buys us about five to six years of being bad. Yeah, no, you absolutely have to take that risk. 
I, I don't think there, there's a doubt about it. And it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with Toronto because they could just elect to blow everything up now. Like they could, if Kawhi leaves, they could go out and trade Lowry. Remember, man, there was a lot of traction to Lowry being the second piece with Valanciunas and Conley would have come with uh, Gasol back to Toronto. So they've shown an inkling to possibly trade him before. It could be, we could be looking at a, a Raptor team in a couple months that's literally headlined by Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. And, and I think all of Toronto and you run that owner risk, would and be I think they absolutely would, fine they with that. Very, they would be very much okay with that. You have to be. And that's the risk. And listen, it's an inexact science. Not every, a lot of things had to break their way for this to come, for this result to come out the way that it did, right? I mean, absolutely. They, they had a they ton of luck, of and that's how you win a championship. I mean, a lot of skill, a lot of talent, and a little bit of luck. Or a ton of yes. it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they took care of Orlando, obviously expected. They had one of the craziest shots in NBA playoff history go their way to knock off a really good Philadelphia team in Game 7 of the second round. They fall down 0-2, get bludgeoned in Game 2 by Milwaukee, and then take care of the gentleman sweep, winning four in a row. And then they draw the luck of having a home court advantage because of their better record where they get the first two games at home, they feed off a raucous home crowd, win game one, lose game two, but with all of this happening without Kevin Durant, who I still think we were kind of, we were kind of robbed of a potentially great finals one-on-one matchup of KD and Kawhi. And I think no that doubt. kind of sucks. No doubt. I mean, but, we've been robbed a few times over the past decade. We could have had LeBron and Kobe back in uh, 2008, I believe it was, or maybe 09. Oh yes. nine, yep. excuse me, because the Celtics won. Yeah, 09 when, they, when Cleveland lost to Orlando, yeah. That was, that was a sad one. That was. Well, when Larry Hughes is your next best player or, you know, uh, who was it, Booby Gibson? Yeah, Booby Gibson was pretty good. Um, that was right before Kobe <laughs> Bryant taught Dwight Howard how to win when he came to the Lakers, right? Yeah, I think it was. I think that's when they uh, formed their great uh, forever friendship. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that obviously Toronto caught a lot of breaks. I mean, KD not being a part of it, and you you get to win three of the first four. I mean, kudos to them going into Golden State, but you're playing with a compromised clay with his hamstring, a compromised loony with his collarbone, no KD, KD comes back for game five, plays literally 12 minutes, gets hurt again. They choke that game away, but knowing now in their conscience, like, you don't have to worry about Durant. Then Thompson, as it looks like he's going to take over and be the hero of that game, last night tears his ACL. As we said to open the pod, man, I give the Raptors 100% credit. You said it too. Take advantage of the of the situations that are presented to you. Nobody feels sorry for anyone else. That's how the cookie crumbles. That's how the series goes. That's how the world works. Sometimes it's not always fair, but you've got to take your you got to take advantage of your opportunity and they did. No but doubt, man. No doubt about it. And I give I'll them tell a lot what. of credit. For for Toronto, for Toronto, if I'm looking at it through the lens of a Knicks fan, let's say KD didn't get hurt, he signs a one-on-one with the Knicks, and the Knicks get AD next year. If they win a championship and both leave the year after that, I'm fine. I'm fine probably till my 40s. Okay, so let's talk about this now. So, went over the finals, congratulations to the Raptors, congratulations to Canada. Now we have to talk about the ripple effects, because those are just as provocative of this, as the series in of itself. So Kevin Durant, obviously, ruptured Achilles. Had the surgery the next day in New York City. Rich Kleiman, his manager, uh, was right there with him. Uh, you saw the outpouring of love across the NBA world for him when he went down. Well it seemed really... 
Uh, yes, of course. And it seemed really like the Warriors did too. Like, you know, Curry was, was, you know, tearing up talking about him. Obviously you saw Bob Myers, the GM just put it completely on him in that post game press conference after game five and talk about how significant Durant was to, is to that team and, and how much they love him. And, I fully expect them to offer him the max. I, I really do. I'm interested to see how tarnished that relationship is. I really want to believe, man, that they didn't put him out there saying that it can't get worse. I think that it was a collective decision by Durant, Rich Kleiman, the Warriors medical staff, and the Warriors front office to say, listen, we've held you out. It's a deciding game five. It's up to you. Like, we've cleared you. You're good. Do you feel like you're good? And in pregame warm-ups and even for the first couple minutes, he really did look fine. But, again, it's – I think the Achilles and, and everybody that was guessing when it first happened when they acknowledged a strained calf. Now, fortunately, I know what a strained calf is like. And a strained calf is very much an extension of an Achilles injury in the sense that it burns. It's constant tension. You feel like it weighs about a hundred pounds. You can't do a whole lot with it. It's not something that you can just work through. It's it's completely it's completely devastating. Like you can't do anything about it. It just is what it is, and you feel a lot of tension depending on where it is, from like the medial calf down to the upper heel. And, and the upper ankle. And when you're somebody who is a world-class athlete who needs to get that push off, that drive, and that quick explosive movement, that's just an Achilles that's a ticking time bomb. So even if you're rehabbing the calf and you're taking care of the calf, the Achilles is the extension of the calf. So when people talk about a calf strain, the reason those, those injuries take so long to recover, whether you're playing baseball, basketball, football, is it because you know the Achilles is associated with it. So Durant makes his move on a crossover. He plants, he drives his quick plyometric move to the right where the left leg is the stabilizing leg, and down it goes into a heap. And the entire landscape of the NBA altered and flipped upside down on that play. And now you're looking at a, any team that goes to get him, right? It's going to now become a level of desperation, as we talked about on Tuesday. And you and I had our little back and forth about the two New York teams. I was only bringing up the Nets because so many other people have brought up the Nets recently. I've never really thought the Nets have had a chance at KD. I always thought it was Warriors-Knicks. But now that this Kyrie story has legs, I thought it would be fun to talk about. Now you're going to have to get into a situation of the following. Do the Warriors feel indebted? Does KD want to say, fuck it, I'm going to just take my $31 million player option, exercise it, rehab in my you know new home in San Francisco, and then test free agency next year? It seems like, according to Woj on ESPN, who I never doubt, and I know you don't either, and nobody really ever should, said that this is not going to impact teams' pursuits of him at all. So... I expect the Knicks to go after him full-fledged as if this didn't even happen. They've got to go get him. I think that even if he misses the entire year, knowing you have Kevin Durant for three more years is huge. The fact he had the surgery the day after it happened means that his injury timetable and rehab is already accelerated. So you could be looking at possibly him coming back you know, January, February, 2020. I think the Nets are still very much going to look into him. I think the Warriors are very much in play to sign him to the max. What do you do if you're the Knicks? You're looking at it from the lenses of a Knicks fan, man. What are you doing with this? Nothing's changed from what I said a few nights ago. Go after him. Give him every penny that he deserves. Give him the four-year max. And... Do whatever it takes. I know that um, that uh, what's his face in in New Orleans, David Griffin. He wants a, an All Star in this, that, and the third. He's not going to get it. That's not how those trades work. Um, 
aside from the DeRozan trade, where basically they just wanted to get rid of DeRozan anyways in Toronto, it seems like you don't do superstar for superstar trades in the NBA. Very rarely does it happen. He's going to get a, a bunch of young players. If the Knicks have to get another team, a la the Atlanta Hawks involved or something else, then do it. Do whatever it takes. you got to do your due diligence on this one to get it before the Lakers can get there and, and try and get uh, Gail Benson in, in, locked in a room until they get a deal done. Get this deal done ASAP, get AD there, and offer KD the bag. What else can you do as Knicks fans? We've been suffering long enough. Now's our chance. There's a guy that actually, he hasn't said it himself, of course, but by all accounts, actually wants to come here for once. So let's go get it taken care of. Yeah, I, I think you have to. I, I think if you're the Knicks, you have to. And I mean, what I, else I are really they going to do? Lay back? I mean, they have nothing to lose. They're They're in a position here where you suck already. You're not taking any risk here. No, I totally agree with you, man. And, and and listen, I I have heard a couple of skeptical Nick fans, and there was a New York Post article written, I believe it was Wednesday, that was discussing how, you know, this was kind of a blessing in disguise, where, okay, you don't have to go for the jugular, you can do a real rebuild around the plethora of draft picks that you have, some good young talent that you have and become kind of that attractive destination that other, that players look at around the league, a la Brooklyn Nets and be like, wow, out of nowhere, they've become really fun. Fuck even the Nets, the Clippers, you know, there's a lot of young teams that have established themselves through developing in the right way. But here's the difference. The Nets didn't have expectations. The Clippers didn't have expectations. The Knicks have been telling their fan base for a couple years now that the summer of 2019 was their time. They traded their franchise building block for whatever, whether that was right or wrong, or they got enough back in return is irrelevant. They made the conscious decision to trade Christoph Porzingis away to get a second max contract slot. So, and James Dolan went on the Michael K show and said, we did this with intention and almost of saying without saying, we know we're getting at least one of the big three of KD, Kyrie and Kawhi. So if they decide now all of a sudden that they're not going to do that because of this injury. And here's the thing about an Achilles. I don't think people are talking about enough. I don't want to get too, like, you know, into exercise science and whatever. But in Achilles, you can get back from. Once it's healed, it's fine. This is not a degenerative knee. This is not a herniated disc that can't be repaired. This is not a chronic injury. This is a, okay, it blew. It's out. It's done. You had your surgery. You're going to have your rehab. It's going to be grueling. It's going to be intense. It's going to be time-consuming. But once it's healed, you're good. There is no there is no extra kind of layer of, oh, shit, what if this happens again? It's kind of like Tommy John, but it's more solidified. Even with Tommy John, you can have that two or three times. Nathan Navaldi, case in point. But the Achilles, once you're good, you're back. So... You're going to have to sacrifice a while, but if you're the New York Knicks, who cares? You got your guy, and I guarantee you he's coming with somebody else. It might not be Kemba. It might not be Kyrie, but he's coming with somebody else. It might be in a trade for Anthony Davis. It might be you know, a Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris or a D'Angelo Russell or you know, somebody else, one of those other top guys. Fuck it. Maybe Kawhi. You're going to have to roll the dice. The Knicks have done everything they could to get to this point. You cannot back out now. And if you're a Knicks fan saying that, oh, we're good with a rebuild, you don't know what's going to happen. Stop it. Stop it with these rebuild things. I don't know what Knicks fans you've been talking to, but honestly, you should send them to the rehab. I was the New York Post article. You should send them to the rehab center that you went to because you're doing all right now. 
Easy. Every because they're on some type of drugs. The Knicks have been rebuilding since 1998. I'm tired of it. I was four. I've had Dude, just it, it, I've had just about enough of the rebuilding. Sometimes you got to take some risks. Yes. Especially you take a risk when you've got nothing to lose but money. And, you got to pay these yes. people anyways. You got to right. pay somebody. And that's, the, and that's the other thing, man. Like. It's a. It's all. If we've learned anything about the NBA in the last five to seven years, it's all about perception of the franchise, right? You know, the reason that KD wanted to go to the Warriors, it didn't have even anything that much to do with the fact that the Warriors just won a championship and were coming off the greatest regular season of all time and losing to the Cavs in seven. It was the fact that the, they had established a culture of being the best at playing the new age brand of basketball that everyone was obsessing over. You know, there's a reason that the Clippers are so appealing. You have Doc Rivers at the head coach. You have Jerry West as a special advisor who's built championship teams. You have Steve Ballmer, who's an all-in winning super fan owner with more money than God. The reason that the Nets have become attractive is because they've built an infrastructure out of nothing, having no first-round draft picks, building a team from nowhere, becoming a six a playoff team in three years with a Sean Marks, a Kenny Atkinson. There's a reason that San Antonio was the epicenter of the NBA world for years because they had by far the best head coach, the best general managers, the best you know, development and analytics programs in the league. If the New York Knicks get Kevin Durant, your entire perception has changed. You are no longer a laughing stock. You are no longer a loser. You are no longer a team that nobody wants to go to. The one of the game's biggest stars elected to go there. And even as bad as the Lakers are, and as a shit show as they are, they have LeBron James, who for the most part is appealing enough to get somebody to want to go there. You play in Madison Square Garden, you have more money than anybody, first-class facilities, first-class travel, everything is at your disposal. You get Kevin Durant, even if he's sitting in street clothes for the majority of next year, the perception the entire attitude of the organization is changed and other players will want to join him and go. And that is, I, I feel like that can't be lost. You're absolutely right. They need to do everything in their power to get KD here and AD here. If that's what's going to get KD here, I need Anthony Davis on this team. Uh, but before we jump into talking about baseball, I think we should talk about another free agent, and that is uh, Clay Thompson. I think this one will be quick, just because, in my opinion, I think he's going to sign the max. The five, year, the Warriors got an extra year, being that they're the team that drafted him. Um, I think he's going to sign the five-year max with them. It sucks. It's terrible that he tore his ACL. Not a dirty play by Danny Green in any facet. He was just going no. to block his layup. Really, really unfortunate for Clay. He's a warrior. He came back, you know, just like Paul O'Neill. That's your guy, right? Of course. Oh, he's a literal warrior, too. He plays for them. Yes, that, that's true. He's he's a warrior in every sense of the word. Came back out to shoot the free throws, and they had to fucking So he's not Sonny Gray? No, he's not Sonny Gray at all. Um, okay. And I think for his free agent implications, I think that they throw him the five-year max. He takes it. Sign, sealed, and deliver, and that's it. I think so too. I, I, I thought this the whole time. I, I thought that I thought that Clay was going back to the Warriors, and, and I think there's something romantic about. Let's just say Durant's gone. I think are we in agreement that Demarcus Cousins is gone? Um, I'm not sure. I think he's gone. I think somebody will overpay for him. I think he's done enough. I think he's still a big enough of a name where somebody else will sign him. Maybe the Lakers. The overpayment is what gets me because he didn't get a ring, and the Warriors are um, well, maybe not actually. Now that I think about it, because Clay's going to be out probably ninety percent of the season next year too, so he may he may latch onto a different team to try and win a ring. Yeah, he might, or he might say, "Listen, I, I've shown that I'm healthy, and you know, 
he wasn't able to show his true potential on that team. He was going to be kind of like a real role player, <laughs> and he's still a really good player. I bet you if you put him on, you know, 25 teams, he's probably the second or third best player on those teams. On this team, he wasn't really even the fourth. Um, but I think Durant's gone. I think you, you do too. I think Cousins is gone. So now I think you have a chance where even if he's going to miss the majority of the season, you're going to go back to the essence of this team, which is Draymond, Clay, and Steph. And they're going to replace Iguodala and Livingston with a couple of other players, use that money, and really fill out that roster that has become very, very scarce obviously in the in the last couple seasons particularly this year i want to see the splash brothers kind of reestablish their legacy is that weird for me to think no i'm i'm in complete agreement with you there um and the last thing before we go in and talk about the Yankees as we're 45 minutes into this sorry short podcast i guess we're just trying to avoid talking about the sliding yankees um it's just it's crazy <laughs> because on Tuesday, I said, I've never seen this before, a guy having a season-ending basic, uh, a major injury in the finals right before they go into free agency, and it happened twice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it was crazy. This finals was unlike anything we've really ever seen. It really felt to me like that 2014 series when San Antonio in that rematch from 13 just kind of destroyed the heat and it didn't on the surface. It didn't make sense. Cause you kind of just expected the heat to win, even though the Spurs had, you know, they were, they had, they were championship tested and had been there, but they lost a tough series the year before they were a year older and the heat, it was just the heat. It was one Wade and Bosch, but they literally that supporting cast was very much like the supporting cast of this warrior team where, their first run in their second year, they were quite good, but some of them left and then they got older, the ones that stayed, and they just they really didn't have anything else, right, outside of Wade, LeBron, and Bosch. It kind of reminded me a lot of that 04 Laker team that lost to the Pistons that had still Shaq and Kobe, but, you know, you bring in a Carl Malone who was, you know, ring chasing. And also got hurt. Gary Payton. Yeah, and Gary Payton, who got hurt, and he wasn't really anything special, and the rest of that team was no good, and, you know, they you would think that they were just going to continue their trend of that mini, that mini run there and, and win their fourth in a row, and the Pistons had other ideas. This, this series reminded me a lot of the 04 series and a lot of the 2014 series. It was just, it was the perfect storm of injuries, depleted roster and a team that was just it seemed destined to win yeah i mean i i just think that that this this raptors team was the one what else can you say nothing congrats congrats the raptors congrats did, to did Canada. you follow drake Shame on, on instagram the fans. um i haven't seen what he put up I Should I take either. a look? I didn't hear a lot about him. I think we were actually like, everybody was talking about the game, which was weird, and not like Drake and all of that. But I'm sure something big happened. I think he threw a party. Probably. Oh, I'm sure he did. And of course, we you were right and I was wrong. I had a little too much confidence in him. He didn't show up to the games. He stayed in Canada. I think he wanted to just hold down his home court. I mean, it's fraudulent, don't get me wrong. I think if you're the super fan, you got to go. But I think he really wanted to, like, make that whole area outside of Scotiabank Arena, like, a pep rally. Like, that's where everybody was going to watch, and it was going to be a home away from home. So yeah, whatever. He's, if he's that put up for him, do it. He's put up five pictures since they won. One, the picture of Michael Jordan. Crying, holding the uh, crying, holding the finals <laughs> trophy. I believe with his father, but it's him holding it. Uh, that one's pretty funny, and a few others. And I think he put out a song too. I haven't listened to it yet. I'll have to give it a listen after the pod review the next time we come on. Yeah, um, I want to hear an analysis of that. 
Oh, absolutely. I'll definitely give you that. Um, but let's talk some Yankees before we go. We'll try and make this quick and painless. Yeah, last week we go on the pod and we're like, well, they won nine straight series. They took two of three from Boston. Everything's fine. And now it's not. And, and and I know, like, we we as baseball fans and we as, you know, just understanding how the game works, the baseball season is so freaking long. It, it drags. There's, t- there's ebbs and flows. I was just Remember, about to say, this is baseball. Like, th- they're going to go on a slide. They're not going to win every fucking base- game. That's baseball, Susan. You know, like, in April, like, up until they went on that run, they were a middling team and they really didn't have any spark. And then out of nowhere, they take off and go crazy. And, and maybe that happens again, but the, the glaring concern as they lost two of three to Toronto, two of three to Cleveland split with the Mets and have now lost two straight to the white Sox. after, you know, back in April, they lost two of three to the white Sox at home. Now they're in Chicago in a four game set, lost the first two. Why don't I take a guess what the Yankees' issue is? It's always what the Yankees' issue is. It's starting pitching. The starting pitching has been abysmal. And you know who they could use? Dallas Keuchel? Yes. Yeah. So the fact that they let him go, like, the thing that puzzles me about this, and again, we shouldn't question Cashman because all winter we bashed him for things. We've bashed him for things before, and all they've done is seemingly come up with wins and be a really good team. But reactionary-wise, I think it's fair. Talk to one of your sports fathers and get this shit figured out because you liked him enough to to to, to want to sign him. You offered him the qualifying offer and the rest of the prorated salary, which was $11.7 million. You didn't like him enough to give him 11.9, which is what he signed with the Braves for. Like, to me, it's like, I understand you don't want to give the five years to Corbin or the sixth year to Corbin. You loved Corbin. The Yankees wanted him so bad, but not for six years. And they were going to give him any money he wanted for five, but that was their max. You don't want to go to six. Six is a big difference than five. Okay, I get it. Somebody else overpaid for him. Fine. But you weren't drawing the line in the sand in this. You wanted him. You wanted Keuchel. You offered him. It was between them and the Braves. And the fact that they wouldn't go any further because of some preconceived notion of a budget tells me one of two things. They... They think that they're getting Severino back and peak Severino back in the second half of the season. Or there's other pitchers in the starting market, and it's going to be a buyer's market this year with a lot of horrible teams. And I think, you know, in, a, in next week when the NBA is kind of cooled down before the draft, we should talk about the state of baseball and how there's really only 10 teams if that, that are vying for playoff positioning, it's kind of a big deal and a big problem. We absolutely but will be talking a, baseball, baseball heavy. It, it's, it's, a, it's a buyer's market this year, man. So they've got to believe that there's guys in the market, whether it's Marcus Stroman, who uh, it was reported by The Athletic last Sunday that the Yankees have been in touch with about, about Marcus Stroman, Madison Bumgarner, Mike Miner of Texas, there's names out there that they like that they've been linked to and then possibly getting a healthy Severino who, if he comes back to 2017 to first half 2018 Severino, well, you just acquired a potential Cy Young award winner. They've got to believe that those, that one of at least one of those options, if not both are going to happen and that they looked at Keuchel and said, we love you, but at our price, we're not going any higher than that, and we believe we can upgrade even further if you don't take this offer. That's all I can think, because if they're that cheap and they're not willing to upgrade their rotation based off of a million dollars, then shame on them. That's bad. I'm not happy. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I've got to say. 
I can't believe that Cashman didn't make that deal. Um, I, I don't know what to do about my three sports fathers. I might have to, um, what is that, an emancipated minor or something like that? <laughs> when you leave your parents before 18 or something and you declare That's they're right. your parents. It's coming. Right now I'm not happy. I'm putting them all on notice. There you go. Well, I, I, it's upsetting because, you know, again, we're reactionary, right? And and that's all you can be. Now, there's still a half a game ahead of first place. The Rays were losing tonight. The Yanks got killed. The world is not over. They're still a great team. Didi's back. It's fun to see him again. Stanton and Judge coming back Stanton soon. And Ju- Stanton will be back on Tuesday. Judge probably next weekend. That should give them a spark, but unless they're down in AAA learning how to pitch, I was going to say, are they are they pitching? They can, they can they can score ten runs a game. I mean, just last night, you know. I, I, actually, why don't we just take this whole week? So Tanaka in the first game of the doubleheader against the Mets gives up four runs in the first or in the second. The Yankees end up coming back, winning that game, but Tanaka. He gave up five and six and two-thirds. Not really a great game. The next game, Paxton goes out there and gets destroyed. Now, the Mets have Pete Alonzo and some nice offensive pieces. But, like, you you can't do that. He gives up six runs without even getting out of the third, boot off the mound. That's disgraceful. Then you go into last night. The Yankees spot Jay Happ a 4 nothing lead, and in the fifth, it's gone, and they lose. Tonight, Yankees score one in the first on a Luke Voigt home run. CC gives up four runs in the first, two more before his line is done. You can't win games like this, and this bullpen, we're starting to see cracks in the armor. Last weekend, we saw on Sunday... The Yankees have a 5 nothing lead. Cleveland comes all the way back because Tommy Canley can't get anybody out. And then Ottavino gives up the lead. The other night we see, um, who was it? It was, uh, it was Ottavino again giving up the lead last night, throwing 30 pitches to get two outs. These guys are tired. And as good as they are, you cannot rely on your bullpen to get you 15 outs a game. It's not plausible. It's not rational. And it's going to have a lot. Every In baseball, more so than any other sport, every game is intertwined with the next. Right? So if you're going into a situation where maybe you win the game, but you lose the fact that you know your your relievers had to come in because your mop up guys couldn't get anybody out or your starter couldn't get out of the sixth inning or the fifth inning. Those all have uh, effects that go on into the next game and the next game and the next game. You can only t- carry twenty five guys, and this is becoming a glaring concern. And you believe that Paxton's better than what he's been in his last two starts? He'll figure it out. You believe that Hap, who up until last night had been pitching very well, will get back on track. CC, we don't know about. CC's been really good in the last two years, but again, you're asking upon a 38 year old with no left knee cartilage to go out there and give you five to six shutout innings. Probably not going to happen. Tanaka, same thing. Love him in a big spot, but you're going to have to take your lumps in a couple of random games. And now Domingo Herman is hurt, so you're going with an opener every five days. So it's a heavy bullpen day. This team's in trouble if they can't pitch. Again, it's only June. A lot can happen. They have been win- They literally won nine straight series. But things can change very quickly. Boston's starting to win again. That team just won a World Series last year. They have problems of their own, but they're still a good team. Tampa Bay, you got. You, they're still very much alive. The Yankees have had a chance to step on both of their throats in the last couple of weeks and haven't been able to do it. They're getting Judge and Stanton back. The lineup will finally become whole again, but their their rotation and as an as a result, their bullpen starting to struggle a little bit. If you can't get people out in big cases, doesn't matter how many runs you score, you're not winning ball games. 
I echo every single point you made there. We turned this uh, sorry short into a Monday rundown on a Friday night, but that's okay. I like it. No big deal here. We're professionals. We have a lot to say. I feel like I talked too much tonight, man. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Don't worry about it, man. Not your fault at all. You did a really good job. And you're more locked in on the day-to-day with the Yankees than I am. I mean, of course, I know what's going on. I'm talking to Cash and all that stuff, but... You know, you're a Yankees historian. So. When was the last time you did a, a, a father-son dinner or something? Father's Day is coming. Oh, Father's Day Sunday. Fa- Father's Day Sunday. So which of them are you spending time with? Which one are you prioritizing? Which one are you the most mad at? I don't know, but now that you remind me, i got to do like a really cool Insta edit and put up a cool picture of their three heads there and, and I'll put clouds <laughs> or something. i got to figure it out. I'm going to get working on this right after we get off. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Now, I want to hear you talk to Cashman because when we come back on on Monday, we, we, we're going to talk. We're going to really go into MLB. and Everybody listening, oh, Yankees. We're Yankee fans. You know, we're going to talk about the Yankees, and that's kind of what it is. We're going around but, baseball on Monday. Everybody relax. NBA's over. Football hasn't started yet. We don't talk hockey. Congratulations to the St. Louis Blues, NHL uh, Stanley Cup champions. You see that, by the way, that area. Hmm? Did you see that song, Gloria, that's been kind of the St. Louis Blues, like, rally song? Shot all the way up to, like, number 24 in the country. Wow, good for whoever that is. It's, like, from 1982. Oh, well, maybe they're making some streaming money. Hey, listen, it took off. Hey, good for the good for the Blues. I think everybody can agree, unless you're from the greater New England area, which we don't care about. Fuck Boston. It was nice to see another team win. And congrats to the Blues. That was their first that was their first Stanley Cup and their first appearance since they lost to Boston in '73. I did watch the entire Game Seven, and I was actually kind of locked into that series. I think it was kind of a combination of like I do love playoff hockey, and I love the fact that I can possibly see Boston lose. And I watched Game Seven. Listen, man, that was a lot of fun. That was one of the good. That was a great sporting event. And the ratings were way up. I think a lot of people kind of were like, yeah, like it was New England, obviously. And then it was everybody who was rooting against Boston. But shout out to St. Louis. So St. Louis is a really good sports town. Obviously, they lost the Rams and they won a Super Bowl when they were there. They lose the Rams. But the entire arena in St. Louis was sold out. They were showing the game. And Bush Stadium, the Cardinals were on the road. Bush Stadium was sold out. So the entire, like, all of St. Louis, I think. I don't think there was anybody at their homes. And if anybody wanted to do some robbery, I bet that was a prime evening. Not that I'm advocating that, but I'm just saying that's probably how it went. (laughs) Everybody was at either the arena or at Bush Stadium. That was really cool. It was really cool to see that. I think, like, as sports fans, like, you like to see a team that's never been there or never done that, rather, uh, come through. and Definitely, and you always want to see your series go seven, get your money's worth. It was a great final. It was a great final, and St. Louis stepped on stepped on Boston's throats early, took a 2 nothing lead after the first period. Congrats to the St. Louis Blues. That's as much hockey as we're going to get into. I thought we did a good job. Right All there. right, before we go, I'll put it to you this way. I watched as much hockey this year and as much of the Stanley Cup final as I did Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. So none. So none. Okay. But uh, that about wraps it up. I more than I did Game of Thrones. Now, question for you. Are you okay. going to watch the, you watch the uh, Women's World Cup, too? Um, I've been following, but I, you know, the one thing I did notice before we go is I feel like it was so much more hyped a few years ago. Like it's not leading sports center or anything. I don't really like it. Like, I feel like they should be a better, a bigger story. Now taking point, I don't like soccer, so I don't watch the men's world cup. Like I could, I could not possibly care any less. I enjoy soccer. About soccer. Okay. So you're probably more, you're, you and I are. Like, you're probably about the same with soccer as I am with hockey, I'm guessing. Like, you'll watch it and kind of get into it, but you don't really have a dog in the fight? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of how I am with, with, with the NHL playoffs. Like, I, I really could care less about the World Cup men's or women's. Like, it just doesn't matter to me. But 
Shout out to the U.S. Women's National Team winning. I think it was like eleven nothing, thirteen nothing. For anybody that's that's arguing about their celebrations, by the way, stop it. You've trained your entire life to score a goal in the World Cup. If the other team can't stop you and they're that bad, whoever they ended up, whoever they were playing, then that sucks for them. Go have your moment, score your goal, enjoy yourself. Let everybody in America cheer for you. Because that's a moment that you'll never get back. You worked your entire life for it. I hope the U.S. Women's National Team wins. I won't be watching because I don't care about soccer. But I will absolutely root for them. And that's all I have to say about that. Celebrate all you want. Good vibes all around. Good vibes all around, everyone. NBA Free Agency is upon us. Draft next Thursday. We should do a sorry short right before the draft. Okay. We'll, we'll see if I'm still alive after it. Um... <laughs> Although we know who the Knicks are taking. Hopefully they can get a deal done before that um, for Anthony It'll Davis. It'll be a fun week. But that about wraps it up. We'll be talking baseball, golf, maybe a little more basketball next Monday. Um, and, yeah, have a good weekend, Sean. You too, buddy. Good talking. All right, man.